It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program with me in the KFG studios. Still missing Kevin Corhorn, but right next to me, Joshua Gregory. Well, the simple IRA is a wonderful retirement plan if you're a small business owner. But even with all those great benefits, it does have a couple not-so-simple rules that you're going to want to understand if you're going to really maximize the, the use of a plan like this. So we're going to unpack that for you and more on the Wise Money Show today. That's right. We've got a question from lots of fans of the show, so hoping to hit that second half of the program or so. If you have questions or needs, reach out to us. We'd love to help. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com. Submit questions right there on the right and get a whole bunch of other info about KFG and the Wise Money Show. Call or text 574-222-2000, 574-222-2000. And then social media, wherever you are at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Okay, Josh, hey, just a quick uh, poll here. Simple IRA. Mm-hmm. How popular do you think that is? I mean, think like the statistics, or do I like it? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking statistics. Is this a poll of one, or am I supposed no, to represent like, the world what, here? Yeah, represent the world. How 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 popular do you think it is? I, it's got to be a, a great tool that a lot of people are are using. I I mean, I think of the small business owner who, especially who's getting started in in offering a retirement benefit of some sort to their employees this is often the place you start yeah, right yeah. You, you maybe someday graduate to a 401k if that's appropriate but simple iras they're they're all over the place yeah they are i i would i would have said the same thing and so therefore whether you have a simple right now uh or not this shows for you because you might have a simple ira in the future, we when I started here at KFG, we had a simple. Then we switched to four one k. We switched back to a simple. Now we've got a four one k, and so that's so not what's so simple. Next? Yeah, see, so yeah, that's right. Four three b. No, that's a that's a, that's a little financial humor for those of you that understand. Um, and, and but even if you have a four one k, you've always had a four one k. You'll forever have a four one k. Maybe your son or daughter or your grandchild or someone will have a simple IRA. So you're going to want to know these rules and simple IRA. That's not just an adjective. That's an acronym. And do you remember? You remember. Oh, dude. I know. Simplified. No, my goodness, Josh. (laughs) Fail. (laughs) Savings incentive match Match plan plan for for employees. employees. There you go. That's what I I started going down the SEP road. That's right. There's acronyms all over the place in our industry. I know. I know. And, and, you know, believe it or not, IRA is an acronym as well. (laughs) Okay. I'm done. I'm walking out. We do not... (laughs) We do not refer to it as an IRA here. The IRA is Individual Retirement Account as well. So simple IRA is actually one big acronym. So there's a big catch-all, right, with this. With you know, And, and it is. It's designed to be a simple type of plan. It, it is, and that's why so many employers favor it. It's not expensive to set up. It's easy to understand and explain to your, your employees. There's not a lot of administrative hoops that the employer has to jump through. And so that's what makes it a sustainable option to offer to employees. Because if you get into a really elaborate 
um, customized 401k, for example, that thing could be so expensive that if you hit tough times, it mm-hmm. may be the first thing to get thrown overboard when you're trying to prevent the, the ship from sinking, so to speak. It, it, it's almost hard to imagine or understand, but the simple IRA is sort of set up with predefined features, not a lot of tailoring or, or customization. 401ks, you might think, are kind of pre-designed as well. But no, there's a lot of customization. There's a lot of adjustment that you can make. And so the simple is designed to be more simple. And therefore, that cost is low. The administration is almost non-existent. With 401ks, costs can be higher. And there's a lot of administration potentially. That's right. So those are all benefits for the employer themselves. But if you're the employee, you're working for a, a company that is is already offering a simple IRA or they're considering it, this is a sweet deal for you too. You know, built into this, one of those just automatic features of a simple IRA, required features, is that your employer has to throw money into the plan for you. They can do it one of two ways. It can either be a, a match where you contribute 3% or more and they match the first 3%, or they can do just a, a mandatory or an automatic contribution of 2% for employees as well. Mm-hmm. That has to be across the board whether you're contributing or not. The vast majority of them that I see is a match uh-huh. because they're trying to create an incentive for you to do what you need to be doing for your own retirement. And then they're just rewarding you with what effectively becomes almost like a 3% pay raise when when they first add this to your your compensation package. That's right. That's right. So there's a few other features that are simple. There's not a lot of options with them, but there's a gotcha. And, and that's really the point of the show. When I was thinking of, all right, what do we want to hit? I was dealing with this situation for someone and explaining this. And it's like, yeah, this is no one knows about this. So we've already said simples are more, uh, more common than you might realize. And yet there's a very bizarre rule. Can you stay, you know, share what that is, Josh? Let's see if I can make it clear here. Oh, yeah. Um, let's start with what is more commonly known and understood. When you save money into just an IRA, for example, you're saving for retirement, right? These are long-term dollars that you're not planning on touching until you get out there into the future and it's going to help replace a paycheck someday. Well, the, the government has predefined that at age 59 and a half, you are full retirement age at that point. And what that means is when you take withdrawals from just a normal traditional IRA after age 59 and a half, you're going to pay taxes on those dollars because they've never been taxed before, but you no longer will be subject to a 10% penalty. So that 10% penalty is sort of the, the teeth that are built into a lot of retirement accounts to encourage people don't touch it until you get to retirement. Now, transition your attention to this simple IRA that your employer maybe sets up for you and you're participating in it. If you pull money out of a a simple IRA before age 59 and a half, you can have that same 10% penalty or it could be 25% mm-hmm. if you do it in the first two years of, um, of opening the account or, or initially participating in the account. This one has more teeth than any other retirement plan I've ever seen. Not not just because it's 25% instead of 10%, but it doesn't just apply to you withdrawing dollars. It's moving the money from one 
from a simple IRA to an IRA as well. That's not a taxable event, but it could be penalized because of this two-year rule with the simple IRA. So you you get started in a job, you think it's going to be you know a great career for you, and all of a sudden the pandemic hits or something like that, or you're unemployed, or a better opportunity comes up, or a family member starts a business and wants your help, or whatever, and you've got this simple, you know, a little bit of money in there, and you change jobs, and you think, well, I don't need this, you know, five grand sitting over here, let me roll this over. Wham! Wham! So before you roll over, before you make a change, before you make a withdrawal from a simple IRA, your certified financial planner better ask, okay, when did you open this thing? Right. Because there's this strange two-year rule. I'll explain why it exists here in a little bit. But there's this strange two-year rule that whether you're withdrawing the money to put it in your pocket or transferring it via rollover or whatever from one account to another, that's going to apply. So you've got to be aware of this. So this, to me, for all the effort they put into coming up with a acronym for the word for the word simple, <laughs> wow! Like this is this is a shocker. And have you ever seen someone have to pay this penalty? No, I, 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 I haven't. Have. Uh, no, I take that back. I I have someone who was in kind of desperate times. They they had to tap into something, and this was their best idea. And they didn't realize that the 25% applied. We ended up helping them roll money back in to neutralize that pain. But it is out there. It is a trap. What about some of the other obscure rules with the simple IRA? We've got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How does a simple IRA work? What's what's the not so simple rule that's embedded within the simple IRA? We've shared that. We're going to hit it. That and more coming up. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios. No Kevin Corhorn, but Joshua Gregory right by my side. If you've missed anything, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Go check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Search the Wise Money Show and follow us there and rate the show as well. We appreciate that. All right, so the not-so-simple rule is once you start a simple IRA, the money has to stay there for two years. Exact, I mean, for two years from the time you open that simple IRA. You, it's not like an aggregate rule where, well, I had one in the past, and then I stopped. Now I've got another one. It's two years, okay? And if you withdraw the money or you roll over or transfer the money out of that simple IRA within those first two years, it's a 20 five percent penalty why do you think they did this just because they're mean probably but there may be a a secondary reason too um my mind went to the fact so, so one thing you need to understand about a simple ira when you throw money into that plan and your employer throws money into it as well that money is yours from day one so if you ever leave the employer um it's yours to take and that's different than how a lot of 401ks back in the day were structured. They had more of a vesting schedule, which basically said the employer is basically setting up a, an agreement where, boy, if you leave within so many years, you're not going to get to keep all the money that we as the employer are throwing in there for you. It's, you have to become vested over time in order to keep it all. Well, simple IRA has no vesting schedule. 
And um, I, I wondered if maybe this is sort of a way to, I don't know, encourage people to not leave. It's, it's almost like a built-in vesting schedule. It's not literally, it's just pain, it's teeth, it's, it's consequence if you leave too early. See, there's That's no, the closest I could come up with. You have a different perspective? There's no question it's simply because Congress is evil. <laughs> there's no question. That's why they did this. No, I'm sure it was lobbying for that very reason, right? I mean, the one of the things that makes a, we've already said this, but makes a simple, a, a simple IRA an actually simple plan to administer is you don't have a lot of features. Therefore, if you have turnover issues or you're worried about employers coming in, employees coming in, getting a quick match, and then leaving and running off with your money, um, then a 401k, you've got a bunch of options to say, no, there's a vesting schedule, meaning I will match this money, but it won't be yours if you leave. Um, with the simple IRA, you can't do that. And so if there was no hook there, then employers might fear, well, I'm not going to put money in this account for you if you don't have anything uh, at stake. So I'm not even going to open a plan. And so I bet the IRS put that in there to say, no, 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 we'll, we'll put these rules in to encourage someone to be there for two years. Yeah, it seem, seems logical. I, I've never read that necessarily, but it seems like uh, an obvious. Here's, or... this, here's the sick joke, though. Well, if that's the then, then pay the 25 percent penalty to the employer. <laughs> right. That's a good but point. Then the that, gov- but the government so they're says, still out the money either yeah, way. Right. The, but the, the government says, no, we'll <laughs> give the money to us. That's a good point. That's so, a good point. yeah. Hey, you know, I, I thought of a scenario. So, so does this apply to you? You know, if you've been working for an em- employer who has a simple IRA and you've been there more than two years, you're past the two-year threatening period here, this this kind of dangerous spot where you could step on a landmine. Um, what about those who have no intention of leaving their employer? They haven't changed jobs or anything like that, but something changes with the employer themselves. Um Little known fact here, simple IRAs, they are for small businesses, and that's defined as 100 or fewer employees. So if you work for a growing company, maybe you just hired on in the past year, and they are no longer allowed to offer a simple IRA, and they sort of graduate to a 401k, let's say. They're going to roll that out to you, and one of the options available is do I just move my old simple IRA dollars over to the new 401k plan? Or do I take my old simple IRA dollars and move them to my own traditional IRA that I manage myself? If you're inside of that two-year period, you, you may think, well, th- this, this event, it's just sort of happening. It's out of my control. It's safe for me to go ahead and move the money. And it could still be a trap for you if you're inside of that, that two-year period. Mm-hmm. So just be aware. Uh, why is the plan changing? Um, if you're inside of two years, don't mess this up. A couple other unique things with the simple IRA that, you know, since we're on the topic, we, you should be aware of. Number one is 401ks. If you're still working at the company where your 401k is, by the time you reach 72 and you normally have to start doing required minimum distributions, you don't have to with the 401k. Simple IRA, it's in the IRA family. So you do still have to, even if you're 72, still working. And so does that happen frequently? Not really. So why are you bringing it up? Because um, typically, simple IRAs are for small businesses. And so you might have owned and started the small business and you're still working there. 
Mm-hmm. And because it's more of a passion, it's your life's work as opposed to a job. Mm-hmm. And so I actually see people with simples working at 72 or longer. I see that more frequently than 401ks. And so, so be aware of that. The other big feature that's different, and Josh, you can add some color commentary here or other, uh, is, is can I get a loan? Can I borrow money? Not every 401k has a loan feature, but you can easily just you know, add that bell or whistle. Uh, with a simple IRA, no option. There's no loan. That's right. This is, again, in the IRA family. You can't do a loan from your IRA either, uh, where you're literally borrowing money and paying it back over five years or, or whatever. Um, with a simple IRA, it, like a traditional IRA, there are things like rollovers where you can take 60 days to get it out of one plan and back into another. But that's not a loan. Right. You know, that's, that's not a solution to your cash flow crunch that you're in. So, so don't be tempted to think of this simple IRA as a cookie jar that you would tap into temporarily. Um, it, you know, it's, it's far better to squirrel away money into a plan like this that you really have no intention of touching until you get out there to retirement. This is your future self's money. This isn't your present day self's, uh, you know, cookie jar. One of the confusing things, and I, I'll just tell you, probably the biggest thing that I don't like, I'm, we're, I don't know, plan agnostic. I don't care. I mean, these are just tools. So as your, for your small business and for you as an individual, what retirement plan, what tool is the right one for you? I, I don't know. But one thing that is disappointing about the simple IRA as a tool is there's no Roth. There's no Roth component. Mm-hmm. To me, I think that's just laziness. So not only is is Congress evil for putting in this 25% <laughs> rule, they're also, also lazy. lazy because just, you know, how is it? How is it? If you're if you're carrying the IRA brand with you, it's part of your name, simple IRA. How do you let the 401k beat you to the punch that they've got a Roth feature and you don't? Right. The Roth originally was an IRA. It's Correct. From, the, from the IRA family. So why didn't it spill over into... Uh, either the SEP or the the simple, right? Right. right. It, that's true. It's it's an option, and or it's not an option to to do Roth contributions. And so, if you're contributing, and a Roth would make the most sense for you, think of it this way: you could contribute to your simple IRA to get the match from your employer. There's some free money, a, almost like a bonus on on the table. But then you can turn your attention and supplement your simple IRA with a Roth IRA contribution. In fact, here's where the, the IRA rules don't uh, correspond with each other. You can max out both of them in the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't have to coordinate those contributions. Yep. Uh, okay, so uh, the other thing about the, the simple IRA is be aware of the contribution limits. You know, for if there's the, the simple IRA contribution limits are higher than just an IRA, but they're slightly lower than a 401k. So really, if you've got a simple IRA available to you, make sure, hopefully this helps you, this discussion helps you be aware of that not so simple rule, but make sure you're working with your CFP to plan around it and use it effectively. All right, we've got that and uh, questions from fans of the show. That and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Now, good time to invest in gold. Get that question all the time. Got a fan of the show that recently submitted that. So we've got. 
that question and more coming up. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Joshua Gregory. If you've missed any of this episode so far, every episode as well as more content is on our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, and uh, subscribe to it, and turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop new content, which is every single business day. So go check it out, Wise Money Show on YouTube. Josh, any anything else on the simple IRA? Uh, you know, get started right away. You, you don't want to miss out on match dollars. If you're young and working for a small business and you're just getting started, consider doing at least 3% and then maybe funding your Roth IRA. If you're not going to do that, if that sounds good, but your behavior, just you don't have the discipline to get it done, then start with 15% or even more going into the mm-hmm. simple. Um, make sure you've got your beneficiaries updated. What else? Uh, I would also pay attention to your spouse's plans as well. You know, make sure that there's, if there's any company match dollars available through your spouse, then get the, the simple IRA on, on your, um, you know, docket and then take advantage of their match and then maybe move on to a Roth IRA or start filling those others back up. But this is where you start getting into coordinating all the different uh, retirement nest eggs that are available to you, all the different tax shelters. This is a tax question. It's a retirement question. It's a which investment options and, and line up in these various plans is best. There's a lot to coordinate here. Don't get overwhelmed by the complexity of it. Work with someone who can help you uh, simplify all of this, no pun intended. Mm. Um, the, the simple IRA could be a fantastic tool for you to build for retirement. Make sure you educate yourself on it. That's right. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tool available to you within your comprehensive financial plan. And so should you use it? Which tax shelters are the right ones for you to be using? And that's, that's a financial planning question. Work with your CFP on that. All right. Speaking of, let's transition here. Sue it listens to one of the uh, listens to the show on one of the radio stations that it broadcasts on, and she says, "I've had several coworkers tell me I should be investing in gold right now because of all the money that is being created and spent." Do you guys agree with that idea? And if so, do you recommend physical gold or some kind of mutual fund investment? That that is a common question, isn't it? I, mm-hmm. In fact. Is it every week that you get an email or something? We should just have like a canned email response for that question because it happens so often it would save some time. But, uh, you know, it, the, the interesting thing about gold is people um, approach this question from a lot of different angles. Some people think of gold as, well, it's an inflation hedge. So as soon as you start thinking about all the money that the government has been borrowing, the Fed has been printing, and it's just been pouring out on the economy, the, the, there's a lot of fear out there, um, depending on the week, um, on whether or not inflation is sort of going to start running rampant, mm-hmm. right? And a, a lot of people look at gold as something that holds its value. It it generally follows the trend line of inflation. It's a it's a physical asset, similar to owning real estate or another commodity or something. Um, but the problem with gold is is that sometimes it's driven by other factors as well. Sometimes it's just pure speculation and people buying it, hoping for a quick hit on it, because it can be volatile at times. Sometimes, you know, no fault of your own, all of a sudden your gold holdings are falling in value, and it's like, well, why? 
It's just right. because it's out of favor right now. And, and you know what's interesting is the whole narrative about gold being an inflation hedge did not work this time during this season, most recent season of inflation concerns. Those couple months when inflation concerns became, uh-oh, inflation is here, uh, gold did terrible. Mm-hmm. It, it, so um, so this year, uh, you know, gold's come back just recently over the past month or so, but... But yeah, it's been underperforming significantly this year. And I wouldn't say that's a direct correlation to, well, when inflation concerns are there, gold goes down. No, that's not true. But I also wouldn't say, well, when there's inflation, gold skyrockets. No, I wouldn't say that that's, either. That's right as well. Yep. Right. And and that's why a lot of people, they think of gold as a small little holding or precious metals in general. It could be silver. It could be, could be other precious metals, not just gold. Uh, th- they think of it as a diversifier in a portfolio. The the thing about gold, as you just pointed out, depending on what kind of environment we're in, the, the stock market could be doing one thing and gold doing a very different thing. And when you have assets in your portfolio that behave differently from one another, theoretically, that brings diversification, that helps reduce some of the, the volatility in your portfolio. That can be a good thing there's a good chance that you're already getting the benefits of gold in your portfolio somewhere as it is, though. Do you need to hold the specific gold ticker symbol or a mutual fund that that tracks gold? You know, if you're invested in the stock market and have a broad basket of companies that you own, some of those companies are tied to the gold industry, so to speak. You know, some of them are mining companies, some of them are resellers and, and so on. So do you need to go hold it explicitly or, or individually, some people just like the, the comfort of it. So that's the other thing. I like how you started this explanation. Is people have different motives around holding gold. And and one motive could be the inflation narrative. We've, we've spoken to that. The other is a financial crash, yeah. a, a, a financial crisis. And so statistically, how does gold uh, hold up during extreme financial uh, events, not very well, right? When 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 everything, when it's risk off, when all of Wall Street is selling and selling quickly, uh, gold did as well. It did during the fall of 08. It did uh, during the few weeks in March of 2020. And so it's just like any financial asset. But there's something different with gold where people talk about holding the tangible gold because if everything melts down, people have wanted gold for thousands of years. So it it has some sort of appeal to human beings. Maybe we're wired that way. And, and so I, I wouldn't disagree with that because I have no idea about the future. But I would tell you if you're if you're if that idea is rooted in long-standing history, look at the Bible. I mean, Solomon word is had tons of gold and that didn't necessarily protect Israel from, you know, a big downfall. Right. Right. And so Uh, that's exactly right. But I think you're kind of hinting at, though, throughout human history, gold has often been used as some form of currency or money. Right. And and a lot of people want to hold gold coins or gold bars or or whatever, uh, because they they think, well, what if that scorched earth scenario kind of kind of happened and the United States or the US dollar collapsed in some way. Like th- that's the that's the question or the the motivation that we often hear behind this. And the assumption is, well, if the US dollar wasn't the 
the currency of the land than gold could be. I I question that one. I don't right? think we go back to that. I, I don't know. think I don't think we go back to a nobody gold has any right. <laughs> so so to me, money is only good if if everyone's got some and we can use it to you know facilitate trade and and commerce and things like that. Yeah. Um, are we gonna go? you know, off the dollar onto something, I, I, I kind of doubt it. And so holding the physical gold in in your safe, in your basement, buried in the backyard, whatever, I, I kind of question that narrative personally. But at the same time, your certified financial planner isn't trying to make value judgments. If that's how you feel and want some for your protection, then make sure that it's, it's, the, it's the right magnitude of your overall financial situation, right? Determine what is the right motive here. And then with that motive and all of your other financial motives or goals, how do they all fit together? And you can find the sweet spot there and uh, work with your CFP on that. So great question, Sue. Got a question here about what to do with some new dollars as well as a few others from fans of the show. Got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. When you suddenly have some money at your disposal, sudden money, whether that is uh, you know an inheritance, whether that is a big bonus or commission, a sudden tax refund, um, who knows? What do you do with it? Okay, we got a great question here from Terry. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Joshua Gregory. No Kevin Corhorn today. He'll be back, I believe, next week. All right. If you've uh, if you've missed anything, make sure you can uh, catch up on the Wise Money Show at the Wise Money Show YouTube channel or online, wisemoneyshow.com. Every episode's right there on an online media player. You can also submit questions there as well. Stay up to date on all other Wise Money content on social media, wherever you're at. We are there as well. All right, so Terry from Niles, Michigan. After receiving some recent windfalls, ooh, normally it's not plural. That's right. Those are good events to string together, huh? I have about 50 grand that I'd like to do something with. My wife and I would prefer to wipe out some debt before retirement, which is about six years away. We owe 100000 on a mortgage. Ooh, interesting. So he... So, Thanks for the helpful info here, Terry. The mortgage is at 4.25% interest rate, so that's interesting. Um, we owe 40 grand on college loans for our son, which are at a 7.9% interest rate, and then 12 grand on a car loan, which is 2.9%. Been considering uh, our choices. We've heard um, we should focus on the smallest balance first. Others say do the highest interest rate first. Does the potential for student loan forgiveness influence what we should do here? Thanks for your perspective. Wow, what a packed question, huh? Yeah, thanks, Jerry. <clears throat> so lots of things referenced here. So congratulations, first of all, on getting some money falling from the sky here, it sounds like. Uh, maybe you went and earned it. I, I don't know. But $50,000 is a lot, of, a lot of money. That could be a game changer. And especially when you're considering a short-term goal like wiping out some debt like this. Uh, but you you made reference to the idea of uh, you're kind of hinting at what we would refer to as a debt snowball approach, um, where basically that, that philosophy would say that you when, when you're trying to get out of debt effectively, 
the most foolproof way is to just start hammering down on your smallest balance first. Because what you're trying to do, a couple things, you're trying to get a win to give some encouragement to your financial life. You're also trying to free up cash flow. So not only do you wipe out a balance, but you're also wiping out a monthly obligation that you no longer have to send to that paid off debt. And instead, you can redirect it to the next balance and start paying extra on that one. And before you know it, it's melted right before your eyes. And then you take both payments that are freed up and you move it to the third. That is a possibility. And it is a, it is a very encouraging way. I'll say it that way. Um, a self-reinforcing way, an exciting way to wipe out debt because you just start seeing it literally snowball in your favor. It's not the fastest way, though. The fastest way is to, to focus on the debt that is, is costing you the most interest. Which mm-hmm. one's causing the most bleeding in your financial life? And you attack that first because you're eliminating the amount of dollars that are going out and landing in some lender's pocket instead of staying in your own. That is a harder one for some people to pull off because sometimes the higher interest rate debt is a big one. Is a higher balance. And it may be years before you get it paid off and you experience the first victory along the way. Um, but if you, if you had the discipline to do it, that's a, that's a pretty amazing way to go. You have enough money though, to knock something out entirely. Yeah. Right. And that can really kickstart either of these approaches. But what do you have to say about the student loan forgiveness piece? Can I, I'll just, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and this is, I'm shooting from the hip a little bit, obviously I'm a CFP. So I think about this stuff all the time, but Terry, I also don't know if, despite the desire to wipe out some debt, should you use some of this money and fund fully fund a Roth IRA for you or for your spouse, or should you make some other adjustment with this money? But if it's got to go on debt, I'd consider putting um, putting twenty five thousand dollars on the student loans, and then twelve thousand dollars on the car loan to pay those two off, and then the maybe a chunk on the mortgage. And so why why so not? You'd sprinkle it around. I would, and here's why. Um, college debt is extremely risky and it, it's like, um, it's like herpes. It just stay, it just stays with you. I've seen, I mean, 40,000 student loans, it's going to take a long time to get paid off, especially at 7.9% interest rate. Why would I pay it down to a $15,000 balance? I would pay it down simply because that's a very high interest rate. It's double your other interest rates. Right. And yet there is a lot of political attention, political will on forgiving some student loans. I and so I to me, I I'd probably hold back the fifteen grand in a you know, where I could pay this off at any time, but I'd probably wait a year. I'd wait to see what the political climate is and the discussion is over the next twelve months on whether they forgive. I have. I, I got to tell you, I, that very well could be a mistake. Wait a year, uh, kind of waiting past the midterm elections to see if if they get it done in the first half mm-hmm. of of Biden's term. Yep. Then maybe that's great. You at least get some sort of forgiveness happening. I, yeah, I can't see the future. Neither can you. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it certainly seems like there's so much discussion about this student loans and there's so there's such a willingness to spend some money and help out the American people right now whether that's actually providing help or not but within student loans 
doing some forgiveness. There was there was just recently, a couple weeks ago, um, there was a comment about adjusting tax rates and how much that could that money could be used to go towards college. And Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's already spent, folks. Yeah. You already have a $3 trillion deficit. You need those tax dollars to, to close the gap, not to give away the farm. But right? so, so to me, I, you've got to, you, if this money is supposed to go towards debt, you've got to make meaningful progress on the, on the student loans. Should you wipe it out completely? I don't know. I'd consider bringing it down to 10 grand or 15 grand. Um, if you did 10 grand, if you, if you put, if you put 30 of the 50 onto the college loan, then you could pay the car loan off completely and put some chunk on the mortgage as well. Uh-huh. That's interesting. I, I Clearly, if you were going to go pay anything on the, the parent loans or whatever, um, first of all, they can only really forgive federally backed loans, I, right? Correct. So, so that'd be the first question. Right. Is, do you even have a loan that may possibly in some strange universe in the future <laughs> be eligible for a, a loan forgiveness? 100%. I, you seem more, more optimistic that it could actually happen. I, I'm more doubtful myself, but we'll see. Uh, Republicans are pretty good at caving quite often. So well, who knows? Um, but here's the fact of the matter. 7.9% debt in this day and age is expensive debt, right? If, if you said, I've got $50,000 and you framed it as, I want to go make an investment and I want to earn a guaranteed rate of return, where can I get somewhere around 8%? We would struggle to not laugh. Right? Yeah, right? It doesn't exist. There's not a guaranteed rate of return at 8% anywhere on the planet. If, if you're getting 8%, it's because you've accepted some risk along the way, in other words. But here it is. Terry has it at his fingertips. He could get a guaranteed 7.9% savings mm-hmm. by paying down this debt. That's a pretty amazing rate of, of return. The, the question I would have is, Terry, if you paid this off and then you found out a year later that the government would have... Um, paid it off for you or some portion of it, um, would that devastate you? Yeah, right. There's some who would say, it's not the government's job to pay that off. I don't want their help in this way. And no, I want the satisfaction of knowing that I paid it off. I borrowed it with the intention of paying it back. I'm going to pay it back. Love, Love that. And what that does for you is that would essentially... 50 grand would essentially be enough to pay off the student loan and the car loan. And now you've got both of those payments that you can apply towards the mortgage and either refinance if you think the mortgage is still going to be there in five years or just make those snowballed payments, that higher payment to get that thing hopefully paid off within six years, which is retirement. Isn't that amazing that you could be just one or two amazing moves away from suddenly being debt free and walking into retirement with no debt is very different than walking in with a bunch of obligations. Oh, it's just, yeah, financial independence, right? And the, the other thing that I would say is that, that last sort of strategy we just shared has a lot of simplicity to it. And that could be a big expense of all of this college student loan forgiveness banter is it becomes a distraction and it slows you down or someone down from making the their their great next wise step in their financial life because what if something might happen therefore i'm going to keep this herpes on my face a little bit longer and um and you don't make as much progress as you could the the potential 
of wiping out both of those loans, freeing up those monthly payments, having those go towards the mortgage, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. If you leave a little bit of the herpes there, if you leave a little bit of the college loans there, you still have that monthly payment. That's right. You haven't eased your cash flow in any way. Right. So uh, fascinating question. And obviously, at the end of the day, this needs to be part of your overall financial plan. Because you hit the nail on the head right out of the gate. You said, well, is there actually something different that would be even better than all these choices you have? Uh, the option that isn't readily available to you, it's your certified financial planner's job to help you uncover those and, and move you towards the goals that you're trying to achieve. Christopher in Orlando asked a great, a great question. I've, we've thought about doing an entire show on this. Maybe we will. Um, should I opt out of the new child tax credit advanced payments that are being direct deposited into people's bank account uh, if I'm not confident that I'm actually eligible for them? Uh, isn't that interesting? So basically, uh, the, the most recent uh, stimulus has basically pushed through higher uh, child tax credits for this coming year for some people. Not everybody's eligible. And not only are that, they want you spending that money now, so they're putting it out into people's pockets, direct depositing it into bank accounts so that you'll get spending it. If you want to opt out, I actually went in to, to opt out. And it was one of the most gross, awful experiences of my life. I, I did. I did. A I whole was video shaking about it. when it was done. Yeah, it made me so mad, and I felt like I had just done something so foolish. The amount of hoops that you have to jump through, and the amount of data that you have to give them in order to even set up your account and opt out, they're taking literally taking facial scans. You're taking pictures of your driver's license. Why would they need that? It should already be on file. Exactly. Right? All this information that you're confirming. And then you get to the end and it says, well, if you file a joint tax return, your spouse has to do this too. Mm. So all that work, it took a long time mm -hmm. and I'm still not any closer to having it, having it done. So I've been telling clients, don't opt out. If you think you're not eligible, just set the money aside and assume that some portion of it might get paid back at tax time. What a disaster. I, I, I it did, really is. I did a, we did a full Next Right Step video on this, and I felt the same way as you, Josh. So hope that helps, Chris, and uh, thanks for the question there. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.